This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. We got a question about parenting here today, Michael. Should teenagers have computers or phones in their bedrooms with no restriction? No, 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 That's no, an easy no, 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 right. no. Now we can move no, on to the next no. question. Our next question. Maybe so, we should process. Yeah. All right. So there's three categories of people. Young kids, junior hires, we'll say maybe preteens, generally speaking, and teenagers or high school students, right? You have these like categories. Before all the tech comes into their lives, when the tech comes into their lives, and right when they are in high school and like becoming an adult and independent, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yep. The challenge is the person asking this question, I don't know who they are, but my guess is they're on the they're either in the um, junior high or high school age group. Yes. Right. So I get it. So let me start from the beginning and create a framework for how I think tech and parents and kids should work. Mm-hmm. Parents from the very beginning need to control all devices. Uh, kids, anytime they're in their home, and I would contend adults as well, moms yes. and dads, yes. you're no better, no more mm-hmm. stronger or more amazing, okay? Tech should be reserved for public places. If there's a home computer or a laptop, it should be used in public places. It should not be allowed in a bedroom by themselves because now the average exposure to pornography for boys and girls is now either 8, 9, 10, or 11 years old, depending, right, depending on, on what, research what they're doing. Right. So like it's young, right? My eight-year-old is not equipped to see hardcore pornography. Let me tell nope. you that she doesn't have categories for it. We're not even beginning to understand the long-term repercussions for this kind of early exposure. That's right. How it's rewiring brains, harming relationships, harming their soul. Mm-hmm. Big picture, uh, in a home, my kids' devices are not theirs. They are mine. It's yes, not their phone. Yes, yes, it's yes. my phone. Uh, it is. If they want to go pay for their own stuff, that's fine, and they can call it their phone. But it's still but it will under not be accessed under my roof in my home right. with these things. And if they want to go pay for it, here's what they need to know. Even the fact that they could work, they're driving my car with my insurance mm-hmm. and eating my food and living in my bed. And, and I mean, their entire life is contingent on my money. Okay? Yes. And as a parent, you should have that yeah. say. And I don't care if they go with quote unquote their money and buy a <laughs> phone. Okay. If you're going to start claiming your stuff is yours, mm-hmm. then pay rent. Okay. Yes. Now, my point in saying that is in my home, and I believe this should be the standard for Christian homes, and every home, I just think it's logical, is kids are not equipped to deal with the weight of technology and access. And I would even say most adults are not equipped, but it's different in terms of how adults mm-hmm, and kids see mm-hmm. it. So in my home, their tech is my tech. We have rules for where tech can and cannot be used. My kids will never go into their bedroom all alone with free access to the internet. That is just not going to happen. It's not going to happen when they're 18. It's not going to happen when they're 15. It's just not going to happen under my roof. Because what I want to teach them is when you leave our home, don't do it when you get into your own home. Right. You're trying to build a discipline that they will carry with them when they leave home. Correct. Don't study and bring your computer to private places where nobody will be coming in to access it. Mm -hmm. So these are things you build into them, right? Um, If I have access to your emails, I have access to your Facebook, I have access to your stuff, I will use this access. Mm -hmm. Now, the kid, as they get older, they're going to resist this, but they will not resist it as strongly if you begin this when they're young. 
The reason we're doing this is because there are predators. There is pornography. Yeah, Satan sure. is alive and well in the digital realm, and he is going after our children, and our children's brains are literally not formed or mature enough to handle these kind of circumstances right. and discern reality. Mm-hmm. So we sometimes, our kids start adolescence, and we want to think of them like adults, and they even do adultish things, but they are literally developmentally not adults. Right. And until they are 18, 19, or 20 years old for the majority of them, they are still developmentally in their brains, not fully developed, mm-hmm. incapable of making full-on adult decisions 24-7. Okay. So as I say that, there's no disrespect to a kid on that. That is just biology. That right. is just you're being developed chemically, hormonally, your brain is still forming, everything mm-hmm. is growing. Your muscles aren't even developed yet. I mean, let alone your brain. So every every part of their body is in flux. So what we don't do is we don't put them in circumstances that make them make adult decisions when they don't even have the biology yet to make adult decisions. So you start young. As they get into junior high, they begin to resist this. Mm. But when a child resists the parents, who wins? Should be the parent every time. mom and dad. So then the child, when they're desperate, they use manipulative techniques. (laughs) Threats. You don't love me. You're this. You don't understand. How am I ever going to grow up? You're too controlling. Mm -hmm. This This is what your mom did to you. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Anything they can do to get what they want. The problem is- most people don't know what they want. They shouldn't get what they want. I shouldn't get what I want most mm-hmm. of the time. And right. I'm 36 years old. They don't know what is best for them. They think they do. But that's one of the delusions of adolescence yes. is you're learning autonomy. You're learning mm-hmm. independence. You're building social spheres and relationships. You're learning your social dynamics. And the problem is you're like in first grade socially, intellectually, even though you're in sixth or eighth or ninth grade, mm-hmm. literally, right. you know, and that's the problem is there's a lot of maturing that this that person takes, has to do to take place by the time they get into high school. Here are some things that have to happen. You're 16. You get a job. No questions asked. You're 16. You get your driver's license. No question asked. You're 15. You get your permit. No questions asked. You're 18. You go to college. No questions asked. You can't pay for it. You pay for it yourself. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Like, you're going to live in my home, you pay rent. No questions asked. If you're going to live in my home, you're going to get a job after yes. in the summers and whatnot. Yep. No questions asked. Like your screen time limited, one hour a day, no questions asked. Like if you're in my home, if you want my money, you want my food and my clothes and my mm-hmm. bedroom that I mm-hmm. give you and my sheets and you want my health insurance and my car insurance and you want my backyard and you want my toys and you want my phone and you want me to pay for all of this stuff, And you're going to look at me and you're going to demand me that you can do whatever you want in my home. Forget it. That's not going to happen. Michael, I'm smiling at you because you sound like my generation. I sound like an old curmudgeon, but here's the point. (laughs) Oh, no. Here's the point. Tell me, what has it done? Boomers, Gen X, Gen Y. What have you done to this generation by abandoning them to their bedrooms with technology? You have eight-year-old porn addicts who are doing vile things by the time they're 16. And it's normal. You have 11-year-old girls who are trying to dress like adult women. And they are seeing and processing sexuality before their brain and body are even beginning to be able to handle those realities. I would just say there, there, we haven't even begun to calculate the cost. Right now, we're seeing the the cost of porn addiction on millennials. Mm-hmm. We gotta remember something millennials. I didn't grow up. I'm I'm an old millennial, but most millennials grew up with what the the dial-up internet, right? Yeah, right. They didn't have immediate I remember it it took like a minute and a half to download an HD picture <laughs> on dial-up, right? That's a millennial say we right. had access in college yes. and in high school, but we didn't have this kind of access when and the we access were that's there now yeah. is 
instantaneous. It's immediate. So I say all this because I love parents. And I, I'm not looking at parents like you're these bad people who've done mm -hmm. terrible things. I honestly think the generations that have done this didn't know. They didn't know. If you thought for a moment your kid was spending three hours a day looking at pornography that was demented and vile, you would not have let them do that. Right. I, I do believe that there is just a... I, on the one hand, I hold parents responsible. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I don't. Because you can't know what you don't know. You can't right. change what you don't know is a mm -hmm. problem. You can't fix what you don't know is broken. And now we know. Yes. Now we know. And this is why millennials um, are getting really, 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 really picky with how they raise their kids. Because mm -hmm. they're realizing they they're have to pay attention to everything because there are so many avenues that Satan is trying to get into their children and form their worldviews apart from Jesus. And there is a very different level of intentionality with millennial parents, not because they're better, but because we have more information. Right. And that's what I want to make clear. Every generation is responding to the errors of the previous generation. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And millennials are going to grow up. We are going to have these massive gaping holes um, where we have raised our kids. Yes. Right. And we don't even see them. And then our kids are going to be recording some podcasts and I'm going to be 56 year old <laughs> and I'm going to be sitting with some 30 year old, uh -huh. you know, punk pastor. Yeah. And he's going to be like, you know, how did you guys not know this? And I'm gonna be like, I didn't know. Yeah. Right. I didn't know. How could I have known what I didn't know? You know, and and then they're all going to be ticked off. And this will be the story for generations. So ago. let me let me take this a little bit of a different direction. So I got emotional. I, yeah, I know you did. And that's good. I'm going to take it in a little different direction because I've been a children's pastor, been a youth pastor, now, now a grandparent. And these are the things that I'm observing that what technology has done that really concerns me. And not only, and it's all about technology that is being used and it is not being restricted by parents. I am concerned about the very same thing you did, you just spoke about, about the pornography and about the, the, the visual pictures that these kids are seeing that, that they should never have, they should never be exposed to. But my concern is a little different direction, and it is the social ineptness that happens. I, I see kids that are, I mean, my goodness, three and four years old. They've got mom's phone or dad's phone. They're glued to a video, and it may be a cartoon video that is very harmless, per se. And they grow up with that as their babysitter. That is the thing that when mom and dad need to have an adult conversation, here, here's my phone, play on my phone, watch this cartoon, watch this video, play this game. And that is their babysitter. That is the means in which the child is now engaged in a, a piece of technology, whether whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, that is the approach that there's that parents are taking. And then the children grow up to be uh, in elementary school and they're doing the same thing. They're playing video games. They're, they're, they're doing Snapchat. They're doing all these things with their friends. They go into middle school. Most of their interactions with other middle schoolers now are through technology. They're doing webcams and they're doing things like that, which I, I'm not totally against, but what I'm concerned about is when are they actually getting out and physically playing? When are they using their imagination and dreaming up things? I mean, those are the things that I am very concerned about, about having children exposed to technology with no restrictions. I loved what you said a little bit earlier, giving a child 
a time limit. For one hour, you can play on this video or you can play with this phone or you can be on the computer for one hour. But for the rest of the time, you're going to use your own imagination. You're going to play outside. You're going to play with other kids. You're going to do things around the house. You're going to have chores. You're, you're going to be exposed to the real world, mm -hmm. not the video world, not the technology world. You're going to be exposed and live through planet earth here and do things yep. here physically three like uh realities okay so reality number one if you have let's just say three realities for parents who maybe didn't know better but now they get a junior high or high school mm -hmm. okay so reality number one is that for your child this is a now an idol yeah it is a part of their uh, life so deeply sure. that every time they go online, they have hormonal releases that bring joy to them or sadness mm -hmm. and whatnot. Like this is so integrated into their life that to dismantle it at this point, you have to realize that you're dismantling idolatry. Um, it is a web that has, has tangled up every part of their body and soul. And not all of it is bad, but to shift it so that it has its right place instead yeah. of an all-consuming place is going to be a massive project. That's number one. Number two is to remember you have this powerful thing as a mom and a dad, sure. and it is called leverage. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you have complete control over everything they want. Yeah. You could go shut the power off to the house. You could go cancel all their <laughs> subscriptions. You yes. could in the middle of the night wake up and burn all their stuff. And yeah. you'd be they, they might be upset because you're killing their idol. I'm not saying do that. I'm just saying you have control over their car, over their insurance, over their health, over their food. You literally could do whatever you want. You choose what food goes in the fridge. Mm -hmm. You choose what food yep. goes in there. You choose where you drive them to. And the reality is that um, for parents because of busyness and distraction because we're both working and that's most homes, yes. the kids have been relegated to technology. It was a convenient thing that allowed moms and dads to get their lives done and their jobs done. And uh, so what's happened now is that once we start threatening their idol, their way of life, everything they've ever known, we get strong resistance. Well, actually what studies have been done and by psychologists and what they've observed is children that are addicted to technology, their withdrawal when that has been removed is no different than someone who the, the drugs have been taken away from. Yep. It's powerful. And it's, that's what we the forget. the same powerful emotion. Yep. So unfortunately, what this means is, is that we have to do it intentionally. Mm -hmm. We have to do it with help. We yes. have to do it with a strong will, meaning it's going to be a fight probably need to inject social experiences and requirements into their life. We have to reject a couple lies. This would be my third one. There are some lies we have to re reject. Number one, the lie we have to reject is I'm going to ruin my kid's life. Oh. You're not. You're actually saving <laughs> yes, your child's life. Yes. Um, lie number two is that, well, all of his friends are here. So if I do this, I'm actually ruining his friendships. Mm -hmm. I will not mm -hmm. let the sin of other parents enable me to ruin my child. Sure. And what we know now um, scientifically is that this does effectively reformat kids' brains long-term sure so does. that it inhibits relationships and success in life. And every once in a while, you get a kid who's like, I'll be a computer programmer and they make six figures and that's fine. But socially, um, who socially, cares if you, you make a lot of money and you can't talk to another human being yeah. and look them in the eyes. And so like there are long-term effects that we're trying to mitigate. And so there are all these lies that we're going to be tempted to believe. Um, and then the kid is going to throw lies at us because mm -hmm. you're threatening what is most valuable to them. Right. And when you threaten what's most valuable to a kid, uh, they're going to say, 
things they believe actually, but are mm-hmm. not true. Not and true. nor when they get past the addiction part of it, nor are they going to believe them. Right. And so I really do feel for parents that are have junior high and high school kids. Uh, one kid we spoke with recently spends eight hours a day. That's that's an, that is. It's interesting because when it's your kid, you're like, okay, you're used to it. Mm-hmm. But it's that same thing where like sometimes you have to see it in someone else yeah. to realize it's probably not good. Uh, and so with kids, you have to figure out how to get them out. It's a totally different game when it's junior high and high school. You probably need professional counselors to come alongside and help you. Right. You have to be on the same page with your spouse. There's all of these things yeah. that have to happen at mm-hmm. this point to get over it. And I think the reason why a lot of families won't get over it at this point is because either mom and dad aren't on the same page. Uh, the energy it takes, yep. the they requirement of their jobs. They don't invest the energy or they need some yeah, it, it's hard because I don't want to, I, I agree with what you just said, but it's not like we're just lazy. No. Um, it's like. They don't want to fight that fight. It's so consuming. Yes. It's so 24 mm-hmm. seven. Uh, it's, it's like dealing with a drug addict who all they want is their drug and yes. you got to put them in rehab while the drugs are all around them in the house. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. it is a uh, incredibly difficult sure. thing to do. And unfortunately, when you get permissive moms and strict dads or permissive dads and strict moms, like those two philosophies will never work together to help right. a child. You got to get on the same page from these addictions. So, yeah. And I have no, let me, let me be clear. I have no judgment for parents on this. I really don't because I, I don't know if it was this podcast or another, but you can't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And no parent walks into something unless they're a total jerk. I'm I just assume the people listening are jerks. So like. No parent walks into raising a kid saying, I'm going to screw him up for life. Yeah, I'm going to just mess him up. Right. Nobody understood the implications of sure. tech. Nobody, nobody understood. I mean, maybe some people did, but it didn't, didn't trickle down into the pop culture understanding of things back then like right. it is now. Mm-hmm. Now we're now we're we're having to face head on the hard realities. And uh and so I, I really believe that one of the best services the church can do is to cast a vision for what could be yes, and resource parents in whatever way we can to sure. help them fight this battle. Because uh, again, I don't, I cannot think of one parent. Uh, I'm sure there are some who are just like, I don't like you. I want you away from me go on here. And I hope it ruins your life. Um, and uh, again, every kid's going to be different. Their screen time might be different. It's dependent on age and what they can handle sure. what their life is like. I mean, there's yes. so many different variables. So I don't have a script necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just have a lot of grace. I want to. I want to cast a more beautiful, long-term vision for parents with their kids. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of parents didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I look at them and I'm like, I think, I think you are an amazing mom and dad. And I think there every mom and dad in every generation didn't know a lot of things. And every generation got really sneaky. Mm-hmm. And every generation found itself in stuff that the previous generation didn't have categories for. And again, my kids, I know it, it's going to be the same thing and their kids, it will be the same thing. And, and, and fortunately, I say, unfortunately, this is harder than almost anything. And this is the world that we live in today. Yep. So the challenge is how do I teach an addict? It's, it's like teaching an alcoholic to handle al- alcohol responsibly for the rest of their life, because you got to teach somebody to not be addicted to it yes. and yet let every part of your life engage it. Like right mm-hmm. now, the whole time we, we've recorded for uh, three hours today, okay? Two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. The entire time, 
we have one, two, three, four screens up right in front of us. Yes. Our producer has one seventeen thirty-five screens in front of him. <laughs> Our whole world is screens, yes. you know? And right now I have to figure out how to let this inform me, but not control me. That's right. Which is why when we're talking, who are we looking at? Each other. Yeah, exactly. I we're know. talking to one another. And every once in a while I'll be like, hey, you know, I'll text something while you're talking. But mm -hmm. like I try to default to like look you in the face. Right. Because these screens are, they're here to serve us. They're not here to control me. Right. And that is where when we understand That's what we're trying to help our parents to do with their kids. Yes. Let tech serve your children. Don't let it control them. And so it's not an issue of we need to get tech 100% out of their lives because that's not realistic. What it is, it's a, it's a matter of how do you teach an addict to handle it responsibly? It's hard. It's doable. And by God's grace, with some parameters in life, it can be done. Now, we've been talking for hours. This is the <laughs> longest podcast ever. Well, hopefully it has been helpful to our parents. Yeah. And I yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me rant. And I hope you got to the end of this and you don't hear like, I think you're dumb because I'm looking at you as a dad. Sure. I'm telling you, I don't know what the conversations are my kids are going to have with me, but I know they're going to rebuke me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know they're going to say, you didn't watch out hard enough. You didn't notice this. And I'm going to say, I didn't know. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. But now I'm going to do better. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. Please come back next time when we answer the question, is it possible to be too comfortable in the weight of hope? Mm -hmm.